What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Monkey Financial Podcast. And today we're going to be recording episode number 47. Uh, hope everybody had a uh, jolly and merry Christmas. Um, we're heading into a new year here in just a few days. I think this Friday is New Year's Eve. Um, so I uh, want to wish everyone out there a happy new year as well. And in today's episode, I kind of want to do a little bit of uh, talking about uh, portfolio management. Um, I think we tend to, um, especially over the year, uh, tend to add a lot of different investments to our portfolios. Um, Sometimes, you know, stuff that we see or hear and want to try out. And sometimes it's just maybe individual stocks or cryptos or gold or silver. I mean, there's, uh, I think, over 10,000 different uh, mutual funds you can add um, that track a whole bunch of different uh, investments. And I think now as we're approaching the end of the new year, um, let's take a look at our portfolios from like a 35,000 uh, foot view. So I want to zoom out. And I'm speaking to you. For me, I already, you guys already know what I hold. I, I only hold three funds. Um, but I'm, I'm talking to you um, if you're listening or, or watching my message, I want you to zoom out and take a, a 35,000 foot view of your portfolio and just ask yourself this very, very simple question. And that is, if I was starting from scratch, if I had no portfolio, would I own the stuff that I own? And I think you'll get a lot of interesting um, uh Thoughts that come up to uh, come into your head as you, as you ask yourself that question because you know a lot of the times we tend to accumulate stuff in our portfolios, uh, like I said that we picked up along the way, but we have a maybe a harder time getting rid of it. Um, and, and it's important now as we transition into what is this the fourth or fifth year of a green U.S. stock market, meaning the stock market. I think the last time was red for the year was 2018, and that was only a negative. Uh, maybe two or three percent. Um, we we pick up a lot of different things in our portfolios that might not necessarily be the best for us over the next twenty, thirty, forty years. So I want you to consider that, um, and I'll spend the rest of this time sort of talking about my thoughts on uh, cap weighted indexes. Um, I get a lot of questions about people asking me um, if they should have something like, uh, let's say, VTI or VOO uh, and VUG or QQQ. And I just I feel like people don't understand cap-weighted indexes because if you look at sort of VOO, let's use that as an example, and as I'm doing that here, I'm going to pull up the, the top 10 of VOO, um, what I want you to understand is VOO, all these, most of these, are, are, are cap-weighted. And cap-weighting, I don't know if you guys know what that means, but it is essentially uh, weighted by the size or the market capitalization of the company. The way you get to market capitalization, you just simply take the stock price and you multiply it by the, the shares outstanding. So for VOO, for example... Uh, the top 10 make up 27% of VOO. So uh, a smidge over a quarter of VOO is made up of only 10 companies. And the shocking part is a lot of them are in Q2 
QQQ or VUG. So for example, in VOO, you have 5.92% of Apple. You have 5.62% of Microsoft, 4.06% of Amazon, uh, 2.29% of Facebook or Meta. Uh, you got almost three, let me do the math here, almost 4% of Google because Google split into two different share classes. Um, you have 1.44% of Tesla. You have 1.37% of NVIDIA. So if you look at that, and I'm going to pull up QQQ now, you mentioned, as I mentioned these companies here, those probably are going to sound familiar for those of you that are holding QQQ. So if I go to the top 10 of QQQ, top 10 of QQQ, 53.4% of QQQ is made up of just 10 companies. So we went from a smidge over a quarter to now a smidge over half of the holdings in QQQ are just 10 companies. You want to hear what the companies are? Apple, 11.27%. Microsoft, 10.11%. Amazon, 7.79%. Google, 4.19%. That's the the glue uh, the the one share of Google. There's another share or class of Google, 3.87%. Facebook, 3.9%. Tesla, 3.9%. Uh, Nvidia, 3.78%. So I just it sounds like I'm repeating myself, right? And I am. And most of you have as you've gone through the years of investing picked up something like this in your portfolio. You guys have 6, 10, 12. Um, I get in the comment section all the time. People list out all the funds that they own. And I'm I'm seeing very, very, I'm seeing VTI and VOO. I'm like, why? Or I'm seeing QQQ and VOO. And I'm just thinking, why? You're holding the same thing. But what you're doing is in, in a cap-weighted index, uh, and this is part of the reason cap weighting works and part of the reason it could burn you. But th the good thing in a cap weighted index is as companies grow, as their stock price goes up, um, their their market cap goes up and their weighting in that index becomes bigger. They make you more money. The index goes up, right? And that's great. But the, it can run away from you. If you own VOO and QQQ, you now essentially have 15% of all of your money tied up in Apple. And I think a little unknown secret, it's not really a secret. If you if you study the stock market like I do, you, you start to learn a lot of things about the stock market. One of the things is the top company in the S&P 500 over the 10-year period from the time it was the top company underperforms the S&P 500. So Apple is the top company in 2021. What's expected over the next 10 10 plus years is for Apple to underperform just the S&P 500. And you you might say, well, that's impossible. This is Apple. Well, um, how about we say the same thing about um, companies in the 2000s that were in the S&P 500. Exxon was one of the biggest companies in the S&P 500. It's gone on to underperform. City, another huge financial play in the S&P 500, I think it was top five, has gone on to underperform. Um, Coca-Cola, Walmart, AT&T, should I keep going? Um, it happens. And if you study history 
And I'm not saying you have to be an expert at this thing, but if you just read a few books about stock market crashes, if you read a few books about uh, kind of how cyclical the stock market is, you see that the top 10 change all the time. Um, kind of, again, a, a benefit of, of cap-weighted is as the, the top 10 change and new blood enters, because we see new blood in the top 10. Tesla, I mean, all these tech companies for the most part in 2000, except uh, I'll take out Microsoft, except my, Microsoft, all these other tech companies that are in the S&P 500 today, were not uh, either there were a smidge on somebody's radar in 2000 or there weren't even companies. Tesla wasn't a publicly traded company in 2000, neither was Facebook, right? So, and Amazon was just getting going out of uh, Bezos' garage there. So you have to understand with cap weighting, you have these, you can have a potential overweighting like we have now where a handful of companies uh, rise to the top, the cream rises to the top. But then eventually, um, new blood enters, and these companies kind of fade out. Part of the part of their business cycle. Sometimes other competitors come in and do it better than them. Whatever the case may be, right? Like Apple reinvented itself in the uh, in the two thousands by becoming a phone company. You know, it wasn't just a little computer company, and now they're the biggest in the S and P five hundred. And then somebody else is going to reinvent themselves. Microsoft reinvented themselves, but somebody else will, right? Somebody else will come along and and knock them off. Um, and the thing is, that company maybe doesn't even exist today. Um, so if if you've picked up this garbage along the way, and now you have VUG, and you have VGT, and you have an S&P 500, you probably have a quarter of your money in Apple, and maybe another 20% in Microsoft, and another 15%. You're literally having most of your money in 10 companies like 90% of your money. And people are asking me, is that diversified? Like, oh, am I diversified this way? And I think there's a misconception. People are adding more funds to to claim that they're being diversified, but they're adding funds of the same holding. So you're, you're really, instead of diversifying, you're being, you're narrowing in, right? Because of cap weighted. So if you pick these these things up along the way throughout 2021 or even 2020 and they've done well for you, I really urge you to to start the year fresh in 2022 really to understand what you're doing. Um, so one of the uh, drawbacks of cap-weighted is the overexposure to a handful of stocks like we have now. And what we've seen happen time and time again is eventually a market crash can wipe out a cap-weighted index. Uh, in, in 2008, we saw a 55% correction. Um, in, in, in 1931, we saw uh, almost an 80% correction, right? So those are the extremes. Usually it's somewhere between 20 and 30%, but it can, it, when we have bubbles form, stock market uh, crash of or the bubble crash of, uh, of the dot-com bubble in 2000 saw... Um, most of those stocks go down 80%, right? So while the broader market only went down, I think it was 38 or 39, those stocks, specific stocks went down, uh, went down 80%. So just be aware of that. And as you've accumulated these uh, funds in your portfolio, ask yourself, if I started fresh today and I didn't have to worry about what I own, would I still have these, right? With, with this new understanding. 
And some good replacements that I always recommend, and maybe this is bias of me, but I think as I've learned more and more about the stock market and more and more about proper diversification, I want my top 10 of my funds to look nothing like what the next fund that I own. That's why I only own three. Uh, It's very hard to find funds that don't look the same, especially if you're in large cap uh, blend or large cap growth, um, which is the majority of the funds out there. They all look the freaking same. Um, So uh, easy recommendation will be to look overseas, Uh, look at international, which is at a huge discount right now. I'm talking about the, the cheapest that it's ever been the two weeks ago, I think it was the cheapest that I've seen it all year. Um, would it be a good time to look at a total international market index? Heck yeah. And guess what? Those top 10 companies are completely different. So if you, if you wanted to, you could essentially just buy one fund, uh, something like a VT, which is a Vanguard total world stock, uh, market index fund and own the whole world within one fund. Um, perfectly acceptable. Uh, you, you would still have a, a, a top 10 made up of Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Tesla, NVIDIA. And uh, you want to hear the weightings of VT on those? Uh, Apple is weighted at 2.85%, Microsoft 2.71%, Amazon 1.98%, Facebook 1.1%, uh, Google a little bit under 2 Tesla 07 Nvidia 0.65, JP Morgan Chase is also in there at 0.62, and then Tencent Holdings uh, out of China is 0.6. So you can have something uh, like this VT that gives you broad, broad diversification. Uh, It's pretty much owning the entire world. It is still market cap weighted, so it is still the bigger companies that are pretty much dominating the majority of, of, of the fund. But when you look at the top 10 holdings, it's not a quarter or 50%. The top 10 uh, only make up 13% of the fund. So that's the good news. It has uh, not done as well as the U.S. stock market because it's uh, roughly about 55 to 60% composed of the U.S. stock market. The other uh, half is, is, is of international. If you don't want to do it this way, you can do it the way I'm doing it, where you buy a total U.S. and a total international. So a good example of that, just using simple ETFs, VTI and VXUS, and you set your own allocations like I did. I set 60% to VTI and I put 20% to VXUS. Um, maybe a little bit of home country bias on my end, maybe not. Um, we're not going to argue about that. This is not what this is about. Again, both cap weighted. Um, Or here's another option is you can look at value. Now, historically, uh, value has been a great place to be during market crashes. And when you think about value, it uh, essentially is uh, businesses that are out of favor today. Um, Some of uh, these value funds do screen out for other metrics like profitability, but let's just keep it simple and, and broad based, like a small cap value, Russell 2000 type fund, like VTWV, it's got uh, 1,500 holdings and the top 10 make up 5.18%. Um, 
and it is a little bit skewed now, usually not this skewed, but its biggest holding is AMC at 1.56. Uh, that's kind of a Cinderella story that's probably not going to be at the top for long. But then we have companies like Stag Industrial uh, making up 0.41%. Companies like Macy's, uh, 0.4%. South State Corp, 0.39%. Valley National Bank Corp, 036 uh, Chesapeake Energy Corp, 0.35. CIT Group Inc., 0.35. Um, these are companies we've never heard of. And maybe we will never hear of them again. Or maybe they might get big enough to where they're considered mid-caps. Who knows, right? But th- the idea is you this investment tracks small-cap companies, so companies that generally have assets under $2 billion, or not assets, um, market caps of under $2 billion, compared to when you look at the, the cap-weighted uh, S&P 500 index, you're looking at companies that now have exceeded market caps of a trillion. So this is a huge, huge difference and something that adds diversification. Now, it's not necessarily equally weighted. It's still market cap weighted but because the Russell 2000 tracks companies with a market cap or of of less than 2 billion you technically kind of get equal weighting across the top 10 you don't see what you see in the S&P 500 of you know that the, the the number one company has a 6% weighting and the 10th company has a a half a percent weighting no no we we're, we're a lot closer all those numbers are read to you except for AMC we're within a few basis points a few hundredths of a percent. Um, and and the idea with this is, again, the reason value tends to do better, especially coming out of market crashes, is you don't have this uh, uh, sort of um, over-evaluation of numbers. Like if you look at uh, a lot of the companies in the S&P 500 and if you look at the P multiples that they're trading at, I think now is the S&P is at, 36 or 37 uh, PE historically again a fair a fair market value PE has been between 15 and 20 so the market's very frothy it's very overvalued and the the top 10 that we see are all growth stocks that are overvalued and kind of falling behind in the S&P 500 are those uh, those value stocks that, that nobody think, thinks about uh, but then eventually, those value stocks will uh, become so cheap and in, in undervalued that people are going to be scooping them up. And then that's going to drive the stock price up. And then value is going to have a really good uh, decade or a good period of returns. And the pendulum goes back and forth, back and forth. That's not the, the point of this. The point is, historically, owning more value, historically... Um, kind of going a little bit against a cap-weighted index fund has yielded better performance. And going with 100% cap-weighted to large caps um, has yielded great results in some periods and catastrophic failure in others. Um, 2008, 2086... Uh, uh, 73, 74, 66, 
um, and then 1931, 1932. Um, and today, as, as we approach the new year, I just want you to look at your portfolios, see what you got, first of all, um, and do some freaking work to figure out how much overlap you got. Because I bet you a lot of you have a lot of overlap. And the more overlap you got, uh, the harder it's going to be for you to uh, protect yourself from from a potential bad year in 2022. I don't know if it's going to be a good year or a bad year. Who knows? Um, but I, I just want you guys to understand, who, especially you newer investors, that's who I'm really trying to reach in this podcast, is you, you could be setting yourself up uh, with a lot of junk in your portfolio that's going to all go down at the same time and it's going to crash uh, everything you work so hard to build. So just kind of have some uh, diversification in there outside of the U.S., have some diversification outside of large cap growth. Um, a good place to look is those style equity boxes. And I don't even want to say this, but sometimes even looking at sectors, um, if you're heavy in one sector, like say you're heavy in technology and you wanted to invest in a sector fund like real estate or financials to get away from technology, you could do that. I don't recommend going that route because sectors are just as just as uh, cyclical as the stock market. And sometimes they do really well. And sometimes like the energy sector, you lose 80% of your money over a decade. So just be careful with that. But it, uh, another good way to diversify sectors is seriously by looking at value. If you look at the sectors in a value fund, you're going to find sectors like financials, industrials, materials, um, not technology, not healthcare. I mean, you have technology and healthcare in there, but they're they're much lower weighted uh, than they are in in blend or growth, uh, large cap growth funds. And and then looking, like I said, across across the pond, looking at developed international, emerging international, maybe just a total international, a small cap international, small cap value international, something that's, I think any anywhere you look internationally right now, you can find a discount. Uh, over the last 10 years, the U.S. has um, really stomped on international. And I think we should consider ourselves lucky if we were invested in U.S. funds over the last 10 years. Uh, at any point, if you put money in, you 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 made money in the last since uh, March of two thousand and nine. Any U.S. fund that you picked that was a large cap made you money. Even large cap value, even though large cap value has been out of favor, it's made it's made money, right? Even small cap values made money, but it's been out of favor. Um, but you know, if eventually that gravy train um, runs off, runs its course, and um, something else comes and and outperforms. So. Be careful that you're not uh, overexerted in a handful of stocks. Uh, be careful that you don't have too much junk in your portfolio that's all cap-weighted to large-cap blend or large-cap growth. Um, and if you wanted to add equal-weighted funds or if you wanted to add value funds, if you wanted to add international funds for diversification, now's the time to do it. Um most of you are probably going to be looking to rebalance towards the end of the year. Um, and what better time to look uh, under the hood of your portfolios. But as you're looking, make sure you take that uh, 35,000 foot view and, and really look down and say, hey, 
is this a portfolio that I can roll with for the next 20, 30, 40 years and it's got everything I need? Or is this portfolio going to lead me astray and potentially uh, open me up to lose a whole heck of a lot of money? I'm not saying that if you structure your portfolio in the way I structure mine that they don't lose money. Sometimes they lose just as much, if not even more. But the idea is they don't lose, hopefully, the idea is they don't lose it all at the same time uh, and, and they don't expose you to only a handful of companies like uh, a QQQ, VUG, VGT, VO, VTI do. Um, I just named off five different ETFs and they're all essentially the same except the weightings are different, but they're the same exact companies in those in all five of those ETFs. So just be very, very careful uh, with how you guys have structured your portfolios. So that's going to do it for 2021. Um, I want to thank every single listener of this podcast. Because of you amazing listeners, you have helped me grow this podcast to 47 episodes. Um, So uh, I want to give you a, a huge thank you for the bottom of my heart for listening, for supporting me, the message, and everything that I stand for. Um, you guys are amazing. And if it's not for your you listening to these podcasts, I wouldn't be putting them out. But uh, we've seen some amazing growth from the Monkey Finance Show podcast in 2021. We're coming back strong in 2022 with 52 episodes lined up every Wednesday at uh, 8 a.m. is when I'll be releasing them. Sometimes they come out a little bit later. Uh, but usually 8 a.m. I, w- I wake up Wednesday mornings and I record these. Uh, right now I'm a little bit late. It's 8.09 and I'm still recording. So I'm going to end the podcast here and get this thing uploaded and pushed out to the masses. Thank you guys for listening. Have a happy, happy, happy new year. I'll see you on the other end. Remember, move obstacles, keep investing. <laughs>